Welcome to Transforming Education, Leadership Lessons. This podcast is hosted by Northwestern College. We're bringing you thought leaders who are influencing education and the world around them. Each episode provides new leadership lessons so you can learn how to embrace your own influence. Leadership has nothing to do with title or position. That leadership has to do with impact. And the role of a leader isn't to create followers, it's to enable more leaders. Take away leadership qualities that inspire. I think good leaders really get people brought together around a cause and can inspire them to be better than they were yesterday or to do something great. Care about others. We need teachers out there that are caring and compassionate and are interested in the student beyond the discipline that they're teaching. Show people they matter. We don't have a bullying problem. We don't even have a gun problem. We have a mattering problem. By knowing you matter. You matter to yourself first before you can matter to someone else. So further your impact. When you just authentically love your students, I just don't think you can help but grow. Understand your core values. You can tell pretty quickly any core leader, whether or not he or she is there for the mission at hand for the people that they serve or whether they're there for themselves. And align your mission. Everything we do on campus, whether it's someone in the maintenance department or someone teaching in the classroom or to coach, uh, it should tie back to our mission of impacting students for the cause of Christ. Discover how to use your influence to inspire others. That is why the relationships is so critical in everything we do, because when people know you care about them, they know yet they have your best interest, and then it sinks in. Let's welcome our host, Gary Richardson. Thanks, Leslie, and thanks to all of you for listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. You have a lot of podcasts to listen to, and, and we're glad that you're spending time with us. This episode is number 30 for us, and it's our fifth and last in the Legacy Series, focusing on individuals that have served Northwest Iowa with excellence over the years. Today, we'll be discussing leadership lessons with Larry Corver, former football coach of the Northwestern Red Raiders. Coach Corver has compiled a 212, 77, and 6 record from 1967 to 1994 and led the Red Raiders to the NAIA National Playoffs 14 times, capturing the championship in 1973 and 1983. 32 players earned All-American honors under Coach's leadership. Coach was inducted into the NAIA Hall of Fame in 1990 and is also included in the Northwestern Hall of Fame. He has been recently honored as a nominee for the prestigious National Football Foundation Hall of Fame. Coach played running back at South Dakota State and was a high school coach in Minnesota and Iowa before being named the head coach at Northwestern in 1967. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Tell us a little bit about your family and what you're doing now. I know you've got some grandkids, so fill us in. As you know, I have a wife who is very important in our family mm-hmm. because uh, you know she gave our family three children, three girls, and uh, God saw to it that they were girls and not boys. <laughs> they are uh, Cam, Colleen, and JJ, and uh, we have four grandchildren. They are Larry Reby, Akima Fetters, Corver Fetters, and Titan Fetters. They are very important in our family. And then I also have two uh, great-grandchildren of uh, Larry Reby, uh, Sloan and uh, Tate who are uh, very uh, significant also in our family. Coach, what are you doing today to stay busy other than golfing? I have a wood shop that I've been working in for probably about 40 years. 
And I love to take any piece of wood and make something out of it. Uh I design it, whether it's furniture or whatever whatever it may be, and then uh, I just uh, really enjoy doing that. Sure. Well, when you think about all the teams and players that you've had through the years, Coach, the relationships, I'm sure, are pretty special. Do you have any memories that are more fond than others, or what are your fondest memories of those times at Northwestern? My fondest memories are the young men that played football here at Northwestern, how they developed while they were here. Some of them uh, waited until they got out of here to develop, but they uh, really uh, have done tremendous in their life. All of them, some of them ministers, some of them doctors, some of them lawyers, some of them farmers, regardless what vocation they went into, they really excelled. Yeah, yeah. When we talk about leadership back in, in the, the time when you started at Northwestern, there weren't many weightlifting programs at all or conditioning programs. And from what I recall from reading that you started the, one of the first ones in this entire region, can you tell us a little bit about that and what did the guys have to do? Well, we started with one bar with a few weights that were made by uh, the Tolman Welding Shop oh, really? uh, east of town here. Okay. That's what we started with. We started in the old gymnasium up on the balcony. Then we added more weights to it as time went on. But this is how it started, and it gave me an, an in to uh, one-on-one with each player sure. uh, in the weight room, which uh, really uh, paid off our program. So that they wouldn't replicate what people are doing today in the weight room and the conditioning, I'm assuming. No, I try to get across to them the importance of doing more than what they were capable of doing. Yeah. Last off-the-cuff comment here is Bloomy says that, ask Coach about Jim Otto. And I know the name because uh, I used to watch Jim Otto play for the Oakland Raiders. And Bloomy says that in an interview when Jim Otto was asked, who he was hit by the hardest in his career, he said it was you. <laughs> well, I don't remember, it, but uh, they tell me about it. That's uh, that's about all I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that's a pretty good accomplishment, as we all know him playing center for the Oakland Raiders. So, Coach, your record speaks for itself. Are there some core values that you personally adopted that you can attribute to any of the successes that you've had? And then How has your faith guided your leadership? Well, my faith kind of steps in here uh, very quickly because uh, the first thing that I wanted these young men to understand is uh, who they were. So uh, I'd ask them individually, you know, the question, do you know who you are? Okay. Well, they'd give me their name. I said, no, no, I need much more than that. What I was really searching for is, uh, uh, do you understand that you are a child of God? Mm -hmm. That's who you are. Once they understood this, they performed much better. Why do you think that is? First of all, knowing God Mm -hmm. and knowing what he stands for in our life gives you that incentive to not just to play for yourself, but to play for others. Yeah. And you put others before yourself. Sure. And use the gifts that were given you to their fullest, I would imagine as well. We are visiting with Coach Larry Corver, former football coach at Northwestern College, in this episode of Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. Coach, I'd like to ask you to reflect on the following two comments, if you would. One is from something that I read, and one is from a personal conversation you and I had years ago. But uh, the first one is you were asked, and this must have been in an interview years ago, to respond to a question asking what your goal was in leading young men. And you mentioned you wanted them to know who they were. 
But your response also was that they are there to develop themselves as men, as potential husbands and fathers, to raise a family, carry on who they were and their purpose in life. How did you commit to that being a personal focus of yours? I have to go back to the family that I was raised in. Mm -hmm. My mother and father raised nine children. All of us went through college at a time when not too many people were right. going on. Mm -hmm. They uh, really instilled in us the importance of being a person that uh, everybody respected. We spent our time on Sunday going to church. Our meal times were uh, where we read the Bible and uh, prayed uh, at each meal three times a day. Mm -hmm. And so all these factors kind of built in me the need to press the idea to these young people that they had to become better. They had to become a husband that was truly respected, the head of the household, a father that served his uh, children well, taught them, brought them along. Then as uh, I just moved down to one other, grandfathers mm -hmm. that uh, really uh, respect their grandchildren and uh, are willing to work for them. In this region, there's Boy, there's just plenty of people, Coach, that you've affected that have gone on to be head football coaches or something else. But if we just stick with football, the impact there of people that have played or coached with you that have gone on to have success is, is remarkable. How does that make you feel? Oh, I, I, a joy that uh, is so great to see them uh, performing, to see them coaching young people and being successful in what they're doing and standing up for what they believe. That is an experience that I really enjoy. That's an interesting comment, just standing up for what they believe. That's important. That's yeah. very important. So a conversation that you and I had out in the old uh, superintendent's office, and I see today that that's getting torn down. There's a bunch of big machinery I, out I there. I saw that, too. <laughs> so uh, that's gone. You know, all those all those memories will be gone by the end of the day. But yep. you came out gracious enough. I was trying to hire a football coach and wanted your opinion. And uh, we're talking about what were the qualities of a good football coach. And I was probably trying to gear more towards what kind of offense should we run and what kind of defense. And you just stopped me and just looked at me and said, Gary, you know that as coaches, our job is to make these young people better than they ever thought they could be. And so that has been since that day, which is, I bet, 15 years ago, maybe not quite that long, pretty close. That's been my personal why, is to make people our job, not as just as a coach, but as leaders or influencers or as head of a household is to make people better than they ever thought they could be or give them the opportunity to do that. And so I really want to thank you for that. That's, that's been a guiding light for me for a number of years. And I don't know if you remember the comment, but if you do, where did you land on that as a personal conviction? I would say that I was in high school my junior year, and I had a coach by the name of Jason Loving. Okay. Do you know him? No, I don't. A Northern Iowa graduate. Okay. Played, uh, he was an All-American, but he pulled me aside and he says, you know, you've got much more ability than what you're showing. Mm -hmm. You've got to perform better. I thought, well, I'll just figure this out and get it done. Yeah. But that's what started it. And then I had a coach here at Northwestern, Paul Kohlenbrinder, who went on later into the ministry. And his ministry was just like he coached, no different. He, again, challenged me to do our best mm -hmm. and go beyond what you thought you're capable of doing. 
this became a very important part of my uh, coaching. I, I would take an individual into the weight room and challenge him. I would challenge myself sure. first and then him, showing that, you know, I was willing to take the first bullet regardless. I was going to be a servant to him. Mm-hmm. And so this is what prompted me. And then I developed a handball court up on there. And uh, <laughs> I would take him up there and just beat him and get him to compete uh-huh. uh, the way they should. This is the whole thing of uh, getting the best out of young people. Right. So to do that, you have to give of yourself, right? Yes, you have to give up yourself. Saying you can do better is yeah. a pretty soft well, word. You, you can say it in words, but if you don't do it in action, it doesn't mean a thing. Yep, powerful. You have coached over 30 All-Americans at Northwestern and also graduated many others, as you've mentioned, that have gone on to be doctors, lawyers, farmers, and just good people. You've mentored a number of student-athletes that we talked about have turned into football guys around the region. Were there leadership traits that you observed of these individuals that were common to most of them or that stand out to you? Very obvious in their playing and in their uh, conduct and in how they served as uh, leaders of the team, especially those that uh, became co-captains, which we really stressed being a uh, leader on the field Mm -hmm. and in the classroom, in the community, things such as this, that really uh, those individuals just stood out uh, right away. And so my goal was to, how would I put it, not spend all my time on them, but spend more of my time on those that hadn't arrived yet. Mm -hmm. This was definitely one of my goals. Yep. So through the years, is there one most important thing you've learned about leadership that would benefit aspiring leaders or the leaders of the next generation? Well, as I observe what's going on in our world today, if a leader is not a servant, he is not a leader. That's what I got to stress, mm-hmm. being a, a true servant, putting that ahead of everything else, just as the, the greatest teacher of all times was a great servant. Yes, yes. Again, we were visiting with, with Coach Larry Corver, former head football coach at Northwestern College from 1967 to 1994. Coach, is there one person that has inspired you along the way to a successful career, and, and what was impactful about that relationship? I've got several that I would like to mention, but the first one that I need to mention is my mother. Mm-hmm. Me uh, too. She uh, had qualities that she would not accept defeat. She said, uh, you keep working and you keep getting better regardless what you're doing. If it's in the classroom or in a community or on a football field, you've got to be better. Not better than the next person next to you, but better than yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. You are what God put in you, the gifts that you got. You have to develop those. Yeah. And this is what I got from her mother. Yeah. Yeah, we just think that was Earl, too. You've really affected Earl Wildster through the years. Leslie can correct me if I'm wrong at the, at the end here, but I, he said the same thing. It was, it was similar as that don't compete against somebody else. That's the wrong person. Yeah. Compete against yourself to, yeah. to be the best person you can be. So I appreciate that. Is there anybody else you wanted to mention there? Your well, mom was like my mom. My mom <laughs> used to go to all the events, and, and I grew up a fat kid, so I don't mean that in a, in a way that people need to feel sorry. I just grew up a little yeah. chubby, and so, but I love sports, love baseball. And back then, you had to wear these 
high socks, right? The, yeah. the stirrups, you know? And my legs were big enough that when I took them off, my calves would be purple. <laughs> but you had to wear them, right? The yeah. coach said you had to wear them. So my mom, after every game, would sit there at the kitchen table and, and rub that purple out of there. And, and she'd tell me, you can do better. You didn't act very good there. And through those yeah. sessions <clears throat> after games, my mom set me straight on how I needed to act and be and what I could become. And without her, I'm not really sure what I'd do. Yeah. But... I participated in athletics, junior high, high school, college. Mm -hmm. My mother saw one game. Is that right? And that game was Hobo Day up at South Dakota State. And the wind that day was 60 miles an hour. Oh, no. Yeah. And she had to take a bath after the game. (laughs) But she said, regardless what game I played in, she had always asked me about it. Yeah. You know, how did it go? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a commitment on their part and appreciated. In this world of college football now, what are you curious about? Well, my desire is that the coaches continue putting the young people in positions of responsibility, accountability, get them to understand the importance of playing as a team and team aspect of the sport is so important just as in life you know if you live strictly by yourself you're not going to witness to too many people but if you play as a team member you're going to witness to each one that's on that team in the way that you uh, play the game but uh, my main concern is that this is what keeps going on Mm -hmm. we always ask our guests what, what they're reading, and, and we try to keep a list of what people are, are reading. And so is there anything that you're reading right now that would interest our, oh, our yes. folks? Oh, yes, every morning, okay. every morning, my devotions uh-huh. and read the Bible. Every I don't miss. I don't have time to read other books. I have enough to do just reading the Bible to get an understanding, to be able to share everything that's in there with everybody that I come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever asked you to write a book about you? Yes, it's happened uh, several times. But uh, I'm not interested in a book about me. I'm interested in a book about him. Mm -hmm. Well, I would bet that would be a great story about how you witness for him through your coaching. If you ever change your mind, I'd be more than happy to set it up. I've got lots of young men out sharing that right now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You sure do. Coach, is there anything that... I wasn't smart enough to ask you that I should. Well, I think you've got uh, most of the questions asked here. I appreciate everything that you've asked and appreciate these young people sitting here. Yeah. And my challenge to them is go out and share with others. Yeah. Your message is really powerful, and we appreciate you taking time today because I know this isn't something that you like to do on a normal basis, and I feel blessed that we're able to sit here and talk once again like we did a few years ago. And If we can ever do anything for you, please let us know. Yeah. One thing my mother shared with me years and years ago, she said, just remember, everything that comes out of your mouth, you already know. (laughs) But what comes into your ears, you don't necessarily know. Sure. That is exactly right. You can't, you really can't learn when you're talking. No, you got to listen. Thanks, Coach, for being here. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks to Coach Corver for giving of his time and sharing his wisdom. That was that was really good. And gosh, you could just see why he would have would be named a Hall of Fame coach with, with that conviction that he has and how much he cares about the people around him, not just the athletes. Leslie, what are your highlights from Coach Larry Corver? 
certainly. And we got the privilege of seeing him in the studio, even just the emotion of him talking about former players and people he's had in his life. And you can see that that raw conviction that he truly wanted to make everyone better than they thought they could be. Not for his, you know, glory or even for their team, but simply to make them a better person and for them to accomplish something to grow into who they could be because all of that was was inside and just needed to be unleashed or tapped into. I love that he was all about showing, not telling, right? He'd get yeah. in there and he'd he'd lift what they needed to lift. He'd beat them in, in racquetball or whatever he was playing and show them that if I can do it, you know, I think you can be better. You could be even greater. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would want to be in a handball game with him <laughs> if he was trying to teach me a lesson, but that wouldn't be his point. His point would be to to build that relationship with you and do it mm-hmm. through sports. And and he made a career of that. Mm-hmm. That one-on-one time to really get to know, I think, the people he cared about, you know, and build them up into leaders. And, and he talked about that, that really he wanted to create those leaders on his team and so he could focus on others that mm-hmm. hadn't arrived there yet, that needed to grow and develop further. We've talked a lot about servant leadership, and he didn't just mention that as maybe a good model, but he really, that's the only way, right? If you're not a servant and not truly serving, then you're not even a leader at all. Right. That's pretty convicting. You said that perfectly. That was in response to the next generation of leaders and what's going on today. And if a leader is not a servant, then that person is not a leader. So his book. Yes, his his daily devotions and the Bible. I think to him, that's all he needs to read. And he makes that his daily habit. And then tries to live it out with the people that he meets on a daily basis. Certainly. That was just really good. We're really happy to to have Coach with us, and we know that this will be good for people that listen. And as a leader in education and a leader in life, you matter, and how you lead matters to a whole bunch of people that you serve on a daily basis, just as Coach said. You were created for significance. As always, thanks, Leslie and Roman, sitting in today to help us get this edited. We really appreciate all the technical help that Mike and Cho give us to make this podcast a reality. Until next time, inspire and influence. (music) 